The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, the government has been warned that protests against accommodation for asylum seekers could escalate amid tensions within the coalition over the response to the migration crisis. At its meeting yesterday, Minister for Integration Roderick O'Gorman told colleagues that even with 200 to 300 new accommodation spaces expected this month, there will still be a gap between what the state can provide and what is needed. This on the back of a new refugee accommodation centre in Inch County Clare, which has, as you've been hearing, uh, faced l- strong local resistance. Now, I'm joined uh, by TD for Clare and Fianna Fáil spokesperson on tourism and aviation, Cahill Crow, and also by the Secretary-General of the Irish Red Cross, Deirdre Garvey. Uh, but first, we'll talk to Porik McMahon, who's Head of News and Sport at the Clare Echo. Uh, Porik, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Uh, what is the latest uh, from uh, the refugee centre? The latest is there's a, there's a meeting with um, Roderick O'Gorman and Clare politicians taking place at half ten this morning. Residents had a lengthy meeting with, um, with owners of the property yesterday that are managing the facility um, and they've put forward the view that they're open to refugees staying there but not to the volume of 69 men. Um, 34 arrived on Monday evening as we know, five have already left. And locals would be would be amenable to to some extent if the number is reduced, but they do have concerns with regard to the, the sewage systems and the facilities in place. There's question marks over fire certificate, which the government have said is in place, but um, local residents have said they'd have a problem if 69 people came from Cork or Kerry. There's nothing against these being refugees or asylum seekers. It's just that the volume of people being put into the one area at the time is going to put a massive stretch on resources. Yep. And um, there's been there's been no I suppose, communication with regards to what um, capacity will be done to existing yep. services to accommodate. Now, now Porik, have you managed to see the centre itself, the hotel and the houses? I have, and um, re- the the men that are living there are much happier with, with it. They say it's much better than than City West at the minute. Pat, there's a hotel, but there's also three holiday homes on site, and the, the asylum seekers are in the three holiday homes. So there's about 30, there's three of them and there's 11 men in each of the three. So there's, it's, it's kind of stacked in a way, almost bunk beds. And, and it's, it's very tight inside there. The hotel itself hasn't opened yet. Yeah. Uh, that what was, what that would the normal accommodation uh, be in those houses? How many holidaymakers typically would uh, be catered for in those holiday homes? It'd be a big push to have the 69 that are there. There's 19 rooms in total with the, in McGowan House. But as I said, the three holiday homes, there's, there's 11 beds in each, which you wouldn't normally have. That's what um, I'm wondering. In those yeah. holiday homes, how many holidaymakers would uh, cram you in? You have possibly a family in each patch, to be honest, um, for each holiday home. And now they're putting 11 men in each. So there, mm. there is a, a bit of a stretch being put on it. Yeah. Now, now the, the, the question of why there are concerns about uh, 69 men ar- arriving, is it that they don't believe maybe that the, the local sewage system, I don't know whether it's a septic tank or what it is, uh, and other resources won't be able to uh, cater for that number of people? Or is it because it's a concentrated number of men uh, of probably different backgrounds and that tensions might arise? Is, is What there's, is the reason? Both, both, both of those, Pat, like there's uh, one of the concerns from locals is that the, the men are coming from different nationalities and they've said there's already tension between them. Now, I think that's a slightly exaggerated claim but there, the lack of public transport is a big thing as well. Um, Inch, where McGowan House is situated, is about eight kilometres from Ennis, but the nearest footpath is six kilometres from the from the, the facility. So it's a long walk for these men. They don't have transport. Some of them, one of them in particular, had an electric scooter, and he said it's not even safe to go on the road with an electric scooter. The type of road that leads to McGowan House is a slip road, and two cars can't pass. 
and it's a yeah. very rural road, so that's why... It's but is the, this McDonough house, um, Porrick, would that only really have been accessed by private car? It, it would, oh yeah, absolutely. It has to be by private car, and, and Pat worth noting as well, Clare County Council assessed it last year to, you know, look, was it feasible to have Ukrainian families go there, and it didn't tick the boxes for their assessment, so that's one of the concerns that, that locals are referencing as well. And I did speak to some of the men that came down they, they got in the bus on Monday evening and they weren't told where they were going. And they said they've no choice. They find um, McGowan House, they prefer it. The city West, they said the food is better and everything. But they they probably will encounter difficulties in terms of what to do during their time. The Clare Immigrant Support Centre were there yesterday and sorting out through documentation and whatnot with them. But in terms of filling their day and getting access to services, it's, it's mm. probably going to be a difficulty. Now, in the hotel itself, I mean, are there recreation rooms? You know, is there a telly for watching the football? Is there a, a pool table or anything like that? Do you know? Not not installed at the minute, Pat. Um, they, like, primarily the hotel, they seem to be working through it and doing some bit of renovation work there, whereas the, the men are in the three holiday homes, which just have your basic beds um, and showering facilities. So it's, it, it would appear that it wasn't ready um, word for first broke last Wednesday when we reported it that 69 men were going to be accommodated there. Then a public meeting was held in the Kilmele Inn on Friday where locals were quite upset with the plans and then approximately 6.40pm on Monday the bus landed down and very little consultation with, with the local community from, from the government and the Department of Integration on this. Yeah, I mean one of the concerns uh, was that if you start consulting with local communities they'll always say no and you'll have no accommodation anywhere for uh, asylum seekers. Uh, what do you say to that? Well I think that it's, it's clear from the people of Inch they'd they wouldn't say no, but they'd say less than 69. It's just possibly not suitable that for the volume of men as mm. they said they'd you know, I'd say if it, it stayed at the, the the figure that's there at the minute, there was 34 and 5 grand, so about 29. If it stayed at that, I'd say they'd be amenable to, to yeah. that amount. Staying. But I'm just so, thinking, once the hotel opens up, how many bedrooms? 19 bedrooms, you say? 19 bedrooms. Yeah, two, total, two so. per bedroom is 38, and then you've got another 30 people. Yeah, still be 10 people per house, I suppose, which is a bit uh, crammed uh, and uh, likely, you know, rows can erupt over anything uh, when you've 11 lads sharing uh, any kind of accommodation in close quarters, I would imagine. All right, look, thanks for that update, uh, Porrick McMahon, who's Head of News and Sport at the Clare Echo. Uh, Cahill Crow, uh, TD, uh, Fianna Fáil TD for Clare, and spokesperson on tourism and aviation. Uh, what is your reaction to all of this? Uh, good morning, Pat. I suppose the first thing here is I think we, we are where we are because of lack of information sharing uh, throughout all stages of this. I first heard of this on the rumour mill two or three weeks ago from local residents who said a lot of work's going on and we've been chatting with workmen and we've heard this is happening. So I said, look, I will use the standard parliamentary question and I contacted Mr. Roger Gorman and I got a very bland answer that told me absolutely nothing. Fast forwarding to last... Did you ask a very specific certain, question about the hotel? I did. I did. I asked, is it... I asked a very... Question, is it being kitted out because um and it's important to say at the very outset there's a huge population uh, of refugees in Clare at the moment all 100% welcome and I want to say that at the get-go about four percent of our entire county population are international protection applicants or Ukrainian refugees all very welcome and there's good reason why we haven't been talking about the other accommodation sites because generally the public and indeed I as a representative of the county believe they're good facilities well run and well positioned and, and all 
Yeah, you're People, breaking you're breaking case, up there a, a little bit. Uh, do, I mean, do you live uh, close to one yourself? I do. I'm from Meelik. Um, Meelik has Ireland's longest standing continuous use refugee centre in Nachlachin. We spoke about it on your show some months ago. Um, it's been there all my life. I was a teacher for a lot of the kids there when I began my teaching career. Um, and it's been very harmonious in our community until, I, sh- I need to say there is a caveat to this, until last July when 12 tents arrived, which again is substandard in my opinion. Uh, to go back, I, to just finish the point I was beginning, Pat, the information from the department and the minister was absolutely inadequate. And then last Wednesday, uh, as Padraig McMahon from the Clare Echo has just been explaining, last Wednesday around half past three, an email came out saying it's a done deal. And within minutes of receiving it, I forwarded that email to the to the few constituents who had contacted my office. I said, finally, we have some information. Uh, they called a public meeting on Friday. There's been follow-up meetings yesterday. And just continuing with that lack of information team, the most shocking thing I've heard in the last few days is yesterday, when we had a meeting in the council, the very man who's tasked and paid to coordinate this in all of County Clare, Jason Murphy, a fantastic, fantastic uh, guy in Clare County Council, he knew nothing of this. He found out himself through social media, text messages, rumour mill himself, and he's the guy uh, paid to coordinate this. This just shows it's not that he isn't doing his job. It just shows that someone in the department is pushing buttons and moving people around uh, without properly looking at the needs of these people and without properly engaging with communities and their elected mm. representatives. Is it your impression that Roderick O'Connor, when you asked the parliamentary question, didn't actually know? Or was he misleading you? You know, was he just obfuscating for fear of raising a hair? Or do you think he just wasn't informed? I spoke with a department official some weeks ago and I said, you've got to improve communications because when communications are good, at least when there's information, some people will like the information, some will not, but informed opinions can be made. Without, with a lack of information, you get this chasm, this void of accuracy, um, and it just it annoys people at best. And at worst, you have, like we had the other evening, we had far-right activists coming down from Dublin, not local. And I want to stress that the local people have been very solid, very clear, very fair. But we've had far-right activists coming down. How can I help you? Can we organise anything for you? That's not what we want. And I took to Twitter last night telling them to clear off, not to come to County Clare. They're not welcome stirring up trouble here. We want accurate information. We want community engagement. And you know what? We want to be able to welcome refugees as we've done very successfully. So what would you say to the argument, Luke, uh, it's needs must. There are people who are on the streets of Dublin seeking international protection. They had their tents burned by these groups. Um, They were rendered homeless. They moved to City West. The people in City West who have got used to uh, the Irish system get moved uh, to Clare. Maybe it's a bit dense. Maybe there are too many people in each house. But uh, in order to prevent people just literally being burned out of it on the streets of Dublin, that's what you have to do. Could I just say those protests in Dublin, those, those absolutely horrible protests that should be condemned every day of the week, they are largely why the approach, I believe, from officials has been to not give information. I think a year ago, when when Ukrainian refugees came to County Clare, hugely successful, a lot of collaboration, very involved, and it was very successful. The approach in recent weeks has been tell nobody anything until the last minute, including elected representatives. Uh, You end up firefighting a situation then, it's not good enough. Uh, And I think that's largely because of those ugly protests in Dublin. 
but that can't be the approach everywhere. What happened in Dublin was awful, but people also need to be trusted with a certain amount of information, and certainly us as elected representatives put into the doll by the people of Clare should at the very minimum have a certain amount of information that we can yeah. share with people. And and I, br- I presume you'll be on that uh, You'll be on that call uh, with the Minister yourself? I will. Uh, that's getting underway very shortly. Uh, communication has to improve. Uh, but also, the, central to all of this with McGowan House, it's not protests and what we might say on the airwaves. The central problem or issue here is the unsuitability of it. Um, there are two dozen other facilities in Clare we're not talking about because they are generally suitable. Mm. This place is not. And I think Paddy before me there uh, really articulated that well. Neither are those 12 tents in Milik. There should be a baseline of accommodation that is acceptable. And anything above that baseline, fine. Anything mm. below that baseline, we shouldn't be entertaining it. There has to be more to this than just ticking the, the, the roof over your head box. All right. Um, uh, and co- one of the solutions I think we need to rapidly look at, and it's been successfully rolled out in the UK's uh, floating accommodation. Um, and I think I think government are looking at that. It yeah, well, really uh, uh, Chris Andrews, the Sinn Féin TD, laughed at that and said, whoever thought of such a, a crazy idea? But it has worked elsewhere, uh, there's no doubt. Look, we leave it there, Cottle. You have to take that call. Uh, Cottle Crow, a TD for Clare, Fianna Fáil spokesperson on tourism and aviation. Uh, and I was referring to Minister O'Gorman. I referred to him as Roderick O'Connor, who was a famous artist, uh, not um, <laughs> Roderick O'Gorman, who is now a very famous minister, I suppose. Uh, listening to those conversations, Deirdre Garvey, Secretary General of the Irish Red Cross. Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Pat. And uh, just a slight little correction there. I could hear the first part of the conversation with Torek, but um, for the second part with, with Cahill uh, Crow, I could only hear your questions, so I wasn't privy to his answers. But, okay, um, well, sure he's we'll just saying anyway. uh, lack of communication is uh, at the heart of this. If people had been told, they might have been able to have a dialogue with the owner of the facility and indeed with uh, government officials to try and point out what you know their views as to whether it was suitable or not for what number it might be suitable um, where it's located which does seem to be very much out of the way and uh, you know a six kilometre walk before you reach uh, a a pavement another couple of kilometres into Ennis um, you know life is going to be a bit stressed for the people who are living there Yes um, well thank you for that recap and if I mean I, 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 I agree um, and I think it's really important to say that what's happening now, what's been happening there and what previously happened last weekend in Dublin, I mean, it's 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 not only inadequate and unsustainable, it's, it's really, really challenging and difficult and it's pointing out some very difficult situations here. Um, I mean, the, the facts of the matter are, is that men and people who have come here uh, looking for the protection of the asylum system. We call them the international protection uh, applicants. We have an obligation to find accommodation for these people. They are here legally. So in the same way that we are seeking to find accommodation for Ukrainian people, uh, we are and we must provide accommodation for the people here. Is 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 there no end to that, though? Because people are coming from very far away places, passing through many other territories before they get to us in order to seek international protection. And people, quite rightly, are a bit baffled by some of the journeys that people undertook to find a safe haven on the west, the western outposts of Europe. 
Well, I think what we have to remember is that there's, this is an emergency situation. Due to the war in the Ukraine, we have received well over 70,000 people from the Ukraine uh, who are here living in our homes, living in our communities, and indeed the government has done a, a really good job in relation to that. So what we have here is the situation where we all collectively need to step up and the government needs to step across all of the departments. We have to have a basic level of consultation, even in an emergency situation, though, Pat. It is only respectful of communities. It's a really difficult situation, um, you know, uh, uh, and we have to understand that Irish people are absolutely kind and generous and have been so exemplary in welcoming Ukrainians and indeed welcoming people experiencing international protection uh, requirements in this country. And we must remember that uh, these situations are difficult and blockading and not talking to each other and not considering these people who have been through really challenging situations to get here. People wouldn't come here if it wasn't an emergency in their lives. The question I, I keep on asking is, why do people fetch up in Ireland having passed through many other countries that are safe? Well, I think if we turn the the, the mirror and look at ourselves, Irish people have turned up all over the globe. And we, over the decades, have been fleeing economic situations here and indeed other situations. So I think the situation is that we as a country, as a modern global country in a modern uh, world, we need to understand that our people have ended up over the decades in many other countries and have contributed. And these people are and have contributing to our economy, to our schools, to our communities. They they enrich societies wherever they go. Irish people abroad or indeed Ukrainians or other people seeking international protection here in Ireland. We have to come together to find solutions. This is unacceptable and really unsustainable for everybody And the only way through this is through talking, through community engagement. We need to have more of that. It's only respectful for everybody concerned. On that note, Deirdre, thank you very much for joining us. Deirdre Garvey, who's Secretary General of the Irish Red Cross. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.